First John chapter 4 is where we were looking. And, and while you're finding that, just to let you know, um, uh, th- these messages are recorded each Sunday and they go out on our website and on, as a podcast. Sounds really modern. Uh, I don't know how I made that happen. It just happens. And um, so if you go on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or various other places, you can find the King's Church podcast and you can listen to this message again if you thought it was good. Or sometimes, believe it or not, people share it with other people and they say, um, listen to this message, it was good from my pastor. Um, and, and I'm surprised at how far this goes. So when I was in Norway earlier this year, um, I've got friends who, who aren't churchgoers, but during lockdown, they were, they had, they'd seen my messages online and say, oh, Rich, we didn't realise Richard was a preacher. And so, so that started a conversation. So... God bless the internet. It's a, it's a good thing. So, um, yeah. So we're going to look in 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. And, and actually, we're going to be looking at the same section probably for the next few weeks. So if you want to put a bookmark in there, you, you can do. Um, which says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who does not Love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and in he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God has the love for God sorry the love God has for us God is love whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world we are like Jesus there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love we love because he first loved us Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or a sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, for they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, I don't know whether you get it from just reading that, but actually the theme today is love. Yeah, It's mentioned 27 times in that passage there, just in that passage alone. Um, and you see, John, uh, I've come across this word. In, have we got any teachers here? I don't know, we've got at least... Um, ex-teacher, yes. <laughs> Reformed teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of teachers. Well, there's this thing which I've become more aware of recently that I've heard in schools. Talk, they talk of spiral learning. And what that, the idea is that you teach something maybe in week one and then you come back to it in week three and then week five and week seven and you just keep coming back to the same idea. You don't bombard people with like a whole half term worth of algebra or something. But you do a bit of algebra then you come back to your algebra and then you come back to your algebra. This isn't algebra by the way. Okay. Um, Abigail knows I love algebra. Uh, uh, but um, 
But John is doing that, and, and actually through the letter, but he's really kind of going for it here on, on love, because he just he keeps coming back to love, love, love. There's a song like that. Um, and, and so really, actually, love, if, if you look in this letter that John writes to, to early Christians, love is, is a major theme, probably the centre of, of this letter. And at the, the heart of this, the revelation is this, that God is love. God is love. So somebody might say to you, who is God? Here's an answer. Love. In fact, there is the answer. What's God like? Love. What does God do? What does God do for a living? Love. What is God? God God is love. And I thought we'd like this. If you could... If it were possible to do this, if it were possible to dissect God, sort of cut him up into little pieces, cross sections, and sort of kind of, let's analyse God. You cut him up this way, you see, oh, love. Cut him that way, oh, love. Cut him this way, love. Look at him from the top, love. Look at him from the bottom, love. Any way, which way you look at God, God is love. Thank you, we're getting the idea. We're getting the idea. Very simple. Love unconditional. Love uncontrollable. Love unrestricted. Love pure, love that is holy, love that is good, love that is infinite, love that is powerful, love that is unending, love that is ever-present. God is love. So I wonder how we feel about that. Can we accept that? That our God is love. Because the thing is, some people think that God is a grumpy old man who deliberately makes our life miserable, yeah? um, and, and, and deliberately makes our life hard, and really doesn't like us that much. It's almost like he made a mistake when he made us. And he's very hard to please. And in fact, God has made life just one impossible, big, long test, which is just like, for some people, one long algebra paper that just gets harder and harder. And... Most of the time God's angry and at best he's just distant and, and disinterested and he always needs appeasing and, he, and you have to try really hard to please him. That's sadly often how people see God. And in fact, it sounds crazy, but some people actually quite like that idea of God. <laughs> it's, it's strange. People seem to like that because it's actually, it's easier for us because then we can actually justify ourselves and we can say, well, I've, I've worked hard and so now God can love me, maybe, because I've done something to please him. And it's easier that way, because actually God is love is too good to be true. It's, it's, it's like, it, there's too much grace, like, oh, hang on, it's, like a, it's a bit overkill, it's too much mercy, too much love, no, 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 hang on. It's too much, I can't cope with this. And all too often in our broken world, what we see as love is more like that grumpy old man love that we that, that we have just described, where love is gained or earned or bought. And so, what we sometimes do is we say, "Yeah, God is love," but it's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as that. God is love, but it's not as simple as that. There's more to it than that. Because actually, if we just say God is love, that makes us really uncomfortable. Because 
Mm. I'm just left a little bit kind of vulnerable with that. So often we add a few things. God is love, but... Or God is love and... And what we're really saying is God is love, but actually he's also a few other things which aren't love. And we have to kind of like add them on because otherwise we just can't cope with it. And so often it comes across like this. God is love and he's also a stern judge. As if all of God's judgments aren't loving. But actually, if God is love, then his judgments are loving. You, you don't sort of like, you know, you can't just sort of say, well, there's one bit of God is love, and then actually he sort of has a really bad day, and he gets really angry and really hates everybody. And so then he does that, that's his judge hat on, and he does that, and then he, when, he, when he's finished with that, he comes back to being love. No, all of it is love. And actually, you might come across, sort of some people think, yeah, God is love, but... He also wants you to do things that will please him. And by, by saying that, we're all sort of saying, yeah, he is love, but also there's sort of some part of him where he doesn't really love us quite enough yet. So we have to kind of make him love us a little bit more. But no, John says God is love. That's it. Full stop. Fundamentally, in essence, through and through, God is love. No caveats, no disclaimers. That's it. God is love, full stop. Now that would make a good t-shirt, if you're into printing t-shirts, or maybe a bumper sticker. Do we still have bumper stickers? That was really good in the 80s, we had bumper stickers. You don't even... I can't remember the last time I saw a bumper sticker. Some people know what I'm talking about, don't they? God is love. Um, But I think this statement is more than just words from God. God has not just left us with a sort of a, a sort of few ideas to contemplate and go, kind of, "Oh, that's interesting." God is pure love. How do we how do we get our head around that? But actually, he is is he he's, he's enacted his love. He's shown us this. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is John three sixteen, which was also written by John, but is not part of the same letter here. John three sixteen is in his gospel. We probably all know this: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so this is how God shows his love. Jesus has come. Love in flesh. And as we approach Christmas, we've already mentioned Christmas, but it's, I think it's just so important that we get the, the point of Christmas. Christmas is, is, is celebrating that Jesus has come and he is with us. And this is the, the gift of love that the Father gives to us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Christ has come. God is with us. This is love embodied. And is that a big deal? Is this a big deal? I was thinking about this. Let's have a stop and think about it. You know, a child's the most precious thing to their parent. Anybody who's a parent here will, will know that. Um, and in the ancient world in particular, actually the firstborn son was the, the thing. You know, in fact, in some parts of the world still today, to have a, the firstborn son, they're, they're the favourite. They're, they're, they're the kind of... That, that's what we're all looking for. So imagine... Imagine this. Imagine, imagine there was a couple in our church who were struggling to have children. They couldn't have children. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you have one of ours? 
Which one? <laughs> oh, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I'll leave your parents to answer that question in the same they'll, they'll turn that round. And basically, yeah. Imagine if that had happened, you know? I mean, that's just, it wouldn't happen, would it? Because it, it, just love wouldn't allow it, really. Our, our understanding of love, just, we, we just wouldn't be able to get our head around that. Or imagine, imagine if somebody had found an unexploded World War II bomb in the car park, you know, just before church. And I said to, to Abby, I said, do you mind just popping out, go and put it in a plastic bag and take it down, take it back home for Ella because then she can have a play with it, you know, because Ella loves taking things apart. And, and you know, just, it just wouldn't happen, right? It's too dangerous, yeah? Too dangerous. Love wouldn't allow that, or our understanding of love. Because our children, despite their imperfections and their awkward questions at times, are the most precious things to us aren't they? And, and, and we just can't imagine that. But what if God's love is so great that his love for us doesn't change because he is love for his love for his son, so that he's able actually to give his son away and still love his son perfectly and still love us perfectly. That's how great this gift is. I mean, if I was to give my children away or put them into some dangerous situation for the sake of everybody else, you've got to know that I've got to care for you more than, just as much as I care for them. I mean, it's, uh, it's not even a great example because we just can't get our heads around it. But that is the love that God has for the world. So when we say God so loved the world that he gave his only son, this is not just a few words. This is actually something that happened. And that's why we celebrate, another reason what we celebrate at Christmas, that this was the thing that happened in history. This actually happened. There was actually this man, Jesus, who is the Son of God. And that's how much the Father loves his creation, because it's just beyond anything that we can even get our heads around, even begin to get our heads around. So, three times in 1 John, he says, in 1 John 4, 9, he says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. John 1, 3, 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. 1 John 4, 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The son of God came that we could have life through him. That is love. God is love. The Son of God came and he laid down his life for us. This is God is love. The Son of God came as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is God is love. He came and he loved us and yet we rejected him. I mean, again, John says this in his gospel. He, we rejected him and yet even when he gave his life for us on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them for they, they don't know what they're doing. That is God is love. Jesus is God's love to us. And his love isn't dependent on us doing things to please him. I love my kids, regardless of whether they're naughty or nice. Yet, God's love is even greater than my love for my kids. His love isn't dependent on us getting everything right. You may be really smart or not. You may be really good 
or not. But his love isn't dependent on that. His love isn't dependent on us saying our prayers every day and reading our Bible and coming to church. I mean, all those things are good things, right? I'm not, don't go home and think. The pastor says we don't have to pray, we don't have to read our Bible, we don't have to come to church. I'm just saying, these things are good things, but God's love isn't dependent on them. Never has been, never will be. And God's love isn't even dependent on our love for him because he says, you didn't love me, I loved you. (laughs) That's the way it worked. In fact, all the things that we do that are good for us, they come as a result of God's love for us. Never can we earn God's love through doing those things. God is love. Whoever we are, whatever we do, that doesn't change. And in Christ, he draws us into that love. That whole idea of Christ coming for us, it's almost like, I, I can't, I can only just sort of imagine it, but it's a bit, I'm going to maths again, it's a bit like a Venn diagram where the, the, sort of the thing is just all-encompassing. Once the sun is sent out, it just kind of gathers everybody into that love. That the love that was between the Father and the Son. And it doesn't change, it doesn't get any less, it doesn't get diminished at all by God. Sharing his love with us doesn't mean to say that he loves us a bit more than the Son, or he loves the Son a bit more than us. I mean, again, think about children. We don't sort of say to ourselves, well, going back to Isabel's question, which one would we give? Well, do I love one of my daughters more than the other? Did, did I, when I had one daughter, I had all my love was for her, but now I've got two daughters. Does that mean I have to share that love and it becomes a bit less? No, it doesn't work like that. Because God is love. It doesn't work like that for us either. He loves the Son and He loves us in the same way. Imagine that. Through Christ we're drawn into the love of God. So I'll finish with this. For I am convinced, remember this from Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll I'll paraphrase that. Nothing. Yeah. Romans 8, 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life so those are, that pretty much encompasses everything to start with. Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you can think of anything that sort of goes outside any of those kind of boundaries, then please do let me know. But I think it's pretty much, we're saying nothing, absolutely nothing. Isn't there a song? Nothing, nothing. 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 Oh, nothing. Well, I'm going to change the words. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. There we go. Just rewritten the song. So, I just want to take a moment, and if we can just be still and quiet just for a few seconds now, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to move amongst us so that we may receive the love of God. And, and for some of us, it may be that that comes by the penny dropping in our minds. That, oh, God loves me. Even though I don't get everything right, and even though I didn't say all of the Lord's Prayer this morning. Yes, he does. And it may be just something that drops in your head. For some of us, we may actually feel a physical sensation. We may, in our hearts or in our bodies, we may just sense the presence of God around us and his love wrapping around us. And for others it may be something else, I don't know. But I'm just going to allow just some space now for the Holy Spirit to move.